a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed, it celebrates their triumphs, and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Hi and welcome. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System and your host for Upholding Valor. Today, you are really going to hear about dedication to the mission, a team of folks that is so focused on reaching our unseen veterans, those living on the streets, those in shelters who need a hand up. And now with COVID, things could be potentially worse for those folks. Veteran homelessness is not acceptable. I could give you numbers, but I'm just not going to go there. One homeless veteran is too many. And joining me right now is a team of folks that I'm, I'm just so impressed by. Joining me is Mitch Harris. He is a social worker with the homeless program here at VA. Sam Vincent, who is a mental health nurse practitioner with the homeless program. And Alyssa Firmage, who is also a nurse practitioner with primary care and part of the homeless team. Thanks so much, guys, for being here. I appreciate it. Okay, I want to start with Mitch and Alyssa, because you were actually out today yeah. trying to yeah. reach and talk to some of our veterans. What What is that day like? How did today go? Did you Did you find what you were looking for? Alyssa, let's start with you. Yeah, I think it was one of our really successful days. We put a lot of planning into, we're trying to make outreach a little bit more uh, organized. And so we kind of put people on the schedule before that we want to see and that we want to reach out to, try to make a plan and call them before. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out, probably like half the time doesn't necessarily work out. Right. We miss them for whatever reason. But today we had a plan to see many and we got all four of them. Uh, and it was a really, I think, successful day to have a good good conversations with several veterans about some big issues that are going on in their lives. So are these veterans housed? Yes. The ones yeah. that you reach? And so talk to me about that because they're, they're, they're in different stages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we do is we try and plan our outreach to different sites and go to different areas. So, um, for instance, on Monday, we go to a homeless shelter and then another homeless resource area, uh, the Wigan Center. Um, Tuesdays, uh, we go to different uh, scattered site housing places. And Wednesday, uh, today, we were at Freedom Landing, which is a okay. a housing site down there by the airport. Yes, um, I, r- I know it well. I've been there a few times. Yeah. And so we, we try and do th- these things on a, a weekly or monthly basis so that the veterans know to find us there. They know if they have any medical issues, they can uh, plan on seeing us there and, and getting some of those medical needs addressed or mental health needs when, when Sam comes with us. So uh, like like Alyssa said, it was a really successful uh, visit this morning. Um, there were quite a few veterans who had some medical needs that really hadn't been addressed in quite some time. They had uh-huh. just moved into Freedom Landing, gotten off the streets. And so really just establishing primary care for the first time in a couple of years, probably. Any, uh, when you say issues, Alyssa, you mm-hmm. mentioned issues. So primary care, w- what else do you find with some of these veterans that we can assist with? Uh, say in the Freedom Landing setting, and then we can move to, if you're talking to them for the first time on, on the street. 
Yeah, so Freedom Landing, they, they probably have a, a few more resources than like a, another site for, for veterans. They have a, a food pantry on site and things like that. Nice. Um, but in the homeless program, we, we also have a clothing closet, a, a small number of, of clothes for veterans. We have our own food pantry that we can bring food to veterans, things like that. Um, and then they also have case management on site at Freedom Landing. So they have case managers there to help them uh, make appointments, pay rent, uh, go, go grocery shopping, anything like that. Um, but there are a lot of other sites that, that don't have as many resources as that. And, sure. Um, yeah, we haven't even touched on the mental health work that Sam does because he also goes down to Freedom and other sites with us and does those kind of things as well. Well, why don't we talk about each of your roles because you all have different titles. Yeah. Uh, so, Mitch, why don't we start with you and then Alyssa and then Sam. You can jump in. Yeah, so I'm the social worker for the Homeless Pact team. That's the Homeless Patient Aligned Care team. Um, and I try and help... I take care of a lot of medical social work needs, so that could be advanced directives, goals of care, um, home health, anything like that, or any other social needs that come up. But I, I spend probably most of my time planning and trying to organize and coordinate these outreach visits, these clinics that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of organizational stuff goes into that to try and allow um, Alyssa and Sam to, to do the amazing work that they do and finding these veterans and looping them into the care they, they need. Alyssa? So I'm the primary care end of the provider piece. I feel like there's social work and then there's Sam who's mental health, but I'm the primary care provider. And gotcha. so just like any other place that would have a primary care provider or a packed team, um, I'm kind of the assigned PCP for all of the people that are on HPACT. So I go in and do full assessments. So just like you would go into a doctor's office, they'd ask you about everything. I do all of that stuff and get their back history and also try to tie in if they have social needs to try to bring Mitch into it or one of their Mm -hmm. housing case managers. And then for mental health needs, we refer a lot of people to Sam too. And so I kind of the care coordinator and funnel people around kind of like a normal primary care provider would be, but in a totally different context outside of a clinic. I was going to say, how do you do it outside of a clinic? Oh, I have a fanny pack here. You can't, you cannot see it, but I also have a fishing vest. Okay, that I have all my. You are a one-man band. Yes, and then a nice big backpack that carries everything from like a little portable ultrasound to check things to all the vitals stuff and. Yeah, I carry everything with me. I That's, am a little one-woman show. Like, she yes. looks like she's headed out on safari when she goes to work. Most people yeah. say that. Yep, I'm about to like get you know some official gear for myself. I think it's super really cool. Tight. Do you love it? I love it. I love it, and I I, I actually love getting new gear. <laughs> I have many carabiners because I'm like, oh, I could hang like a pulse oximeter from here, or I could put like my blood draw supplies over here. A, sh- a sharps so, container hanging. From a your sharps backpack. container is hanging from my backpack from a carabiner. Yeah, we'll um, work. We'll work on getting you updated gear and equipment. <laughs> we uh, it's it's actually okay for now, but you know we're always open to getting more help with that stuff. And a nurse we work with is an RN, and he he took me up on my offer to get him a fishing vest too. So we kind of look like a little pair when we go out. Except he's like six four, and I'm five but nothing. <laughs> we, we need to go to one of those fly fishing places and get a sponsorship for you. Yeah, actually it's a very, it, yeah. everyone thinks I'm going fishing and most of our veterans like to fish or have a goal of going fishing. So it's like a conversation starter. I love I feel it. like I did a good thing. An icebreaker. They want you to take them with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we had a van, maybe we would. Well, Don't want a fishing trip. Oh, we'll talk about that more. Okay. So Sam. Yeah. We, we are not ignoring you. Okay. I'd love to know your piece Finally. to this, this puzzle. Yes. 
What is your role with our veterans? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a mental health nurse practitioner, so my role is to do the mental health evaluations and manage the mental health medications for our veterans. You can imagine that uh, connecting to traditional mental health care can be a challenge because of transportation, communication, trust, um, and rapport. And it's nice to be on a team with uh, Alyssa and Mitch because I don't have to approach people as just one person who's trying to shrink their head. I'm part of a team and I um, sort of gain some trust by association with these guys and with all the, the case managers. How do you guys know where to go? To, to find these folks. I mean, I know that we've placed some in in, in housing mm-hmm. and you know where they are, but what about the rest of them, the ones that, you know, maybe standing in the street corner or holding yeah. a sign or just have completely slipped through the cracks? Yeah, it's a it's a huge coordinated, coordinated effort between us and our community partners. We have some really great social workers in the homeless program who have some close ties with people out in the community. If they see somebody holding a sign that's panhandling that says homeless veteran Mm -hmm. we have people who will let us know hey mr so-and-so is on this corner at this time and then people go try and find him Um, wow it's it's grassroots yeah absolutely it it takes a lot of effort and there are a lot of um people involved but it's everybody involved has the same kind of passion and we're all on the lookout for these guys um, there's also, like I said, we go to shelters and other sites regularly. So we check in with the shelter staff. We check um, the homeless database for the state mm-hmm. and kind of see where veterans are checking in to see if they're accessing resources in one place or the other, letting us know where they're at. What is the? What are some of the strangest places you've had to go to to find veterans? Well, right. you guys smile because yeah. I know there's stories. Before before the pandemic, Alyssa and I were uh, contacted by the <clears throat> the downtown police who work with uh, closely with social workers on a team to try to bring more um, compassionate, uh, service friendly policing services to um, Salt Lake City. And there was a there was a veteran who they knew was living up in the the foothills above Warm Springs Park and they said he was in a cave which usually doesn't literally mean a cave in this case <laughs> it, it did literally mean a cave the, wow the police drove us up there in uh, a little side by side a couple miles up a dirt road and then the cave Alyssa Still was about a mile away a yeah mile another, walk another mile of a walk it was uh, the remains of uh what had it formerly been? Like an been? old kiln like or a, something yeah. like that? Or a mine. Yeah. Like kiln? Oh, a lime, wow. lime kiln. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long yeah. Had, he be, had he been living there? He's still there. He's been up there yeah. for a couple of years. He's been oh, there for wow. years. He's yeah. very comfortable up there. He's, it's a, he thinks it suits him. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've tried to change his mind and get him into housing and get, the, get him resources, but some just choose. We, we do. We have the talks yeah. every time we see him. Uh, about options, and he's considering options, but um, still for now comfortable where he's at. Yeah. He yeah. goes and visits a library regularly, so we met him once at one of the library branches. Okay. Drew some blood there, got, gave him some vaccines. Um, try to keep in contact. Mitch tries to keep in contact with the community partners to see if there's anything that he needs. Sure. Um, but he's an interesting gentleman to begin with, super talented. He's an artist and he makes music and he collaborates online with lots of 
people across the country and makes pretty cool music. Yeah, like, you can look him up online. He goes by, you know, a certain name. Wow. And I don't think anyone on the other end online knows that he's like a veteran in his 60s, a white male veteran in his 60s. <laughs> he composes hip hop. He composes hip hop music in a cave and then uploads it from the library. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's really really, really cool. I have it on have had it on in the background while I'm working sometimes. It's so good background is, work music. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> that is amazing. Mm-hmm. So once you connect with these veterans and say, you know, you know aside from the, the man in the cave, because he seems satisfied with his life right now, he's making some good music, but others that you would find on a street corner, I mean, what's the first step for them? How do you get them connected? How do you get them with a roof over their head, Yeah, et cetera? It, it can be a really long and complicated process, but the first step is kind of engagement and letting them know what resources are out there. Um, one of my favorite stories is there was a, a veteran that we came across who um, wasn't in the shelter at the time, but we helped him get into shelter. He, did, he I think, had served. It was a very short time, and he wasn't aware he's a, that he was eligible for VA benefits. He had some health concerns. He had really trouble walking. He, was a walker, he, was, he used a walker. Um, and then our outreach workers were so fantastic. They helped him fill out his means test, got him enrolled. He went from ha- He went from literally homeless on the street to being in the shelter, to being in Valor House, to being in Freedom Landing in about two months. Wow. And in the course of this, we got him established with medical care. He saw urology. He saw optometry. He, like, really from, like, night and day. And so the first step is engagement and just letting them know what resources are out there. Um, And they have to want it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. They have to do their part. mm -hmm. We still engage them. I feel like there's a lot of little touch points we make, just like a... Sometimes my medical visits just a hi, how are you? I'm sure. Alyssa, and we just kind of do mm-hmm. small talk, but it's it's a lot of engagement. Yeah. And sometimes they take a really long time to come around. Sure. Yeah. And then I mean, there's there's also um, like vocational opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. Getting them, you know, becoming productive members of society again. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like along this process, right? Like there are some guys who. They just need the leg up and then get into housing, get into services. And then next thing you know, they're in voc rehab and they're, getting, they're working in CWT or getting employment. And then we've had a lot of successful graduation stories where someone does all those things. They get a full-time job. Then all of a sudden they're over income for the homeless program. And they're able to get their own housing and live this independent lifestyle. It's, it, it happens really frequently in the homeless program because we have so many dedicated staff. And um, letting veterans know that, one, we care, and that also there are all these choices for them, these resources. Um, And it, you know, it takes time for a lot of them. I think Alyssa said, sometimes it just need, we need to let them know that we care and that we're there for them. If they, if they're ready, if they're wanting to make that change. Um, But yeah, it's a really great thing to see. We also have um, in the homeless program, uh, an employment specialist Mm -hmm. who kind of does community employment specialist or something. Mm -hmm. So she's Mm -hmm. also always available for the veterans that are interested in engaging in work. And then there's the transitional work therapy program um so there's lots of there's lots of opportunities just even beyond our little medical mental health team that we collaborate within the va to get services for people that are interested in working yeah Yeah. sam this next question's for you and it's kind of a big question but why are veterans homeless what happens how do they get to that point and i'm certain there's a, a mental health component there yeah, of course there is a big mental health component. I, it's the same reasons as as anyone else is homeless. Um, <clears throat> you know, just inaffordability to uh, of housing right now, which is worse than ever. 
Um, the downtown shelter a couple of years ago, a lot of people know, was closed, and now it's just leveled ground. And the resource centers were spread further away from downtown Salt Lake, which made it kind of difficult for people to access some of the important resources to get out of homelessness. Right. Um, mental health for our veterans, uh, you can imagine uh, how severe PTSD impairs someone's ability to um, go through all the steps in, required to get back on their feet. The VA is so resource rich. Alyssa and I both worked at the Four Street Clinic before coming up here to the VA. So being able to, like Mitch was talking about, welcome a, a veteran into our service and then start going through the list of everything they might possibly need. And to some degree, we, we are able to offer that here, mm-hmm. which is such a luxury as a provider. I was, I'm thinking that substance abuse issues factor in as well. And how can we help those folks struggling in that particular lane? I mean, do they have to be clean to get into housing or are are we doing the housing first model? Um, Because I know substance abuse is a huge problem with some of our homeless veterans. We're we're very much housing first. And I'm glad you brought that up because once in a while an article appears in one of the news outlets suggesting otherwise. Right. And and uh, substance abuse has never kept a veteran from from getting housed. Uh, We, in fact do a, a huge amount of work after housing to try to help with that. Uh, unlike in the rest of the community here at the VA, referring a veteran for treatment for substance abuse is, is very doable. We, we have a huge amount of resources for all level of treatment, whether someone wants um, inpatient, like hospital-based residential treatment or in, intensive outpatient treatment, which is you know a few hours every day. Um, down the spectrum to just touch points and conversations and exploration of motivation, uh, whatever uh, stage at which someone's at, however um, much energy they're ready to put in towards recovery, uh, we have a match for that. Let's talk COVID for a while. So, I mean, we've all kind of lost the, the last year, and we've lost a lot of our veterans, whether it's just you know, primary care, mental health, et cetera. What impact have you seen on homeless veterans during this time? It's been, a, I think, as difficult as it has been for, you know, the general population. Homeless veterans has been have probably been some of the hardest hit. Um, we're talking about uh, veterans who usually don't have a phone. They don't have any means of transportation. Um, and as COVID kind of unfolded last spring, all these resources that aside from the VA, like, but community resources kind of shut their doors, like, um, you know, social yeah. security, social security no others even get into social security. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I, rem- I remember that. Yes. And, and so it was really difficult. And as we tried to figure out in the early stages of, of the pandemic, how we could con- continue to access these veterans and, and, um, provide services to them. It was, it was a challenge because, you know, we're trying to, of course, keep ourselves safe because we sure. can't provide care if we're not healthy but also realizing that these veterans are still out there. They're not really having a way to let us know where they are or let us know what they need. And so it was a, it was a really difficult time, especially in the first month or two of, of COVID. Yeah, because that's when the real unknown was happening and everybody was scared. Yeah. 
But let's fast forward. I, I mean, you're you're still doing the work. You're still mm-hmm. out there. You're still reaching them, even though it's it's harder. And let's talk about the COVID vaccinations because our homeless veterans need those vaccinations as well. So how did you plan that and and get to them? That was Mitch. I feel like that was all <laughs> so much, you guys. I'm sorry. Um, so I Stop think... Stop doing so much. You're good at your job. <laughs> yes, Sam. you need help. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But yeah, let's talk about oh vaccinations. Um, I think, you know, early earlier in the year, uh, towards like January, February, um, as, as we were getting the vaccines here on campus, um, we started having conversations about planning some uh, some kind of clinic or or something to get the vaccinations out to the homeless veterans and word came down from from leadership and um we we put a plan together and so we we set up a number of clinics in the community um at i think uh, four or five different sites um and probably six weeks of planning went into it and it's probably most of what i did all day every day while i was at work and so um trying to figure out which veterans were where how many veterans we had in each location how we could notify them where we were going to be, gauging interest and in seeing how many vaccines we needed to bring, and then uh, kind of day of just executing it, you know, myself, um, Alyssa, Sam, other nurses on the homeless program um, would go to these sites, and it was probably a six-week process where, you know, one day we were at one site, we'd go through and vaccinate, you know, 20 to 30 veterans. The next day, same story, Wednesday, same story, Thursday. And we did that for four weeks, and then it was time to turn around and do it, do the second doses sure. again. Sure. So it was a lot of tracking and planning and organizing, but there, the response was amazing from the veterans. Like, yeah, I how, was really stunned by how many kind of leapt at the opportunity to get the vaccine. Yeah, and what what types of interactions were you able to have with them during that time? You're not you're not wrong. We were able to take advantage of um, people coming in for the vaccinations to reconnect with people we hadn't seen throughout the whole pandemic right Alyssa yeah yeah we got a list of them and I'd review every chart and then kind of see who needed to see a nurse or me or social worker or Sam and so we kind of got it mobilized where basically everyone who came in to get a vaccine was also getting either a nurse or a provider visit as well that's awesome okay a few things I'm going to wrap up with some sort of big picture questions because I could talk to you guys all day you're impressive um what what's the What's the common reason you hear from veterans as to why they don't want services? The hesitancy that you talk about, like what, what are the, what stops them from taking advantage of the benefits that they have earned and so deserve? You know, one of the ones I hear a lot is someone else deserves it more than me. There's a lot of veterans who feel like I can still do some things for myself and and their independence is really important to them. And they feel like, you know, this is a precious resource, what you guys have. And I'd rather that somebody who needed it even more than me could have it. I do hear that a lot. Do you, do you hear the same things? Yeah, I hear a lot of that. I also hear, you know, people have some stories where they may have encountered a bad experience in the past. So there's some distrust of the government in general. Sure. Um, maybe. I yeah. do want to let veterans know because working in public affairs and and communications, you you, you do hear that from veterans. But what you need to know is the VA is only as strong as the veterans who use the system. So if you don't use the system, it goes away. The funding goes away. So I always tell that to a humble World War II Vietnam veteran who's just 
not wanting to use the system because they think someone who, you know, may have lost a leg or her or is less fortunate than them yeah. deserves it more. But not the case. Not the case at all. Every veteran who's served deserves the benefits if yeah. they are eligible. Okay, last question. Do you think it's getting better? Are are we making a dent in the homeless veteran situation? I certainly think so. I, w- I was visiting with um, one of our community partners at one of the shelters a few weeks ago, and she was saying, from their perspective, how close we are to get to, to ending veteran homelessness effectively. Of course, there's always going to be guys kind of transitioning in and out of housing, but for the units, sure. for the units we have allotted for HUD vash vouchers and things like that, we're really close. I think I think HUD vash voucher utilization is over ninety percent right now. Remind people what HUD vash is. So HUD vash is a collaboration between the Department of Housing and Urban Development and Veterans Affairs, um, and so. Essentially what happens is veterans who qualify for HUD VASH who are literally homeless or chronically homeless, um, they receive a Section 8 voucher, and so they pay up to 30% of their income towards rent, and they also receive a mental health clinician, a social worker, as their housing case manager. So that that, uh, case manager can help them maintain their housing, work on mental health, do some early groundwork on substance use. Um, really whatever addressing whatever needs that veteran has. Gotcha. And so I do think we're making a difference. And, you know, you, you mentioned, you asked if, you know, what are some reasons veterans are wary or not using VA services? And kind of similar to what Alyssa would, had said, that there there might be some bad experiences or maybe some bad stories in the press that get out there and kind of make things sound bad. But That's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. And I will say that. Constantly you know, battling it. Working with Alyssa and Sam who are two of the most extraordinary providers we could ask for. We've engaged some really kind of, you know, unsure or um, upset veterans. And to watch how both of, the, both of these providers build trust and kind of win these veterans over and see that, you know, the VA really cares about them and provides the most exceptional care. It's really been an, an amazing thing to see. I would add that um, every single veteran who comes onto our radar is staffed by our homeless team and and at the end of that meeting every single veteran that's staffed has a housing plan yeah and that's you know the funnel includes starts with people holding a sign on on the off-ramp of the freeway and like mitch said the community partners who alert us that there might be a veteran and our outreach people that go out and meet them and talk to them that's just that's one of the gateways but all of the gateways come together with a meeting three days a week where mm-hmm. we talk about the veterans who need housing and and there's a plan for every one of them by the end of that meeting. Alyssa, aside from you need a couple more fishing vests, let's let's be real. Like what could this team really use to be more effective? Because it's got to be challenging. Yeah. Talk I mean, about the need for maybe a vehicle. I have had a dream for a van, an outreach van. We do kind of do, you know, street medicine. We do home visits. We go into places where typically even home health nurses won't go. Um, there can be, you know, stuff out and about. It's cluttered. There's not a lot of space. There's not a lot of privacy. They can be small units or even out at the resource centers at the shelters. There's not necessarily a... They want everything to be open, and so there's glass, sure. and everyone can see everything that's going on. So for, like, a medical or a mental health visit, especially for physical exams, it's not necessarily probably comfortable yeah. for the veterans to have, you know, be exposed in that way. Um, and so having a van would be nice to be able to invite people into a space that is more yeah. private could, and also mobile to be able to reach more people. We could do more outreach to the big camps around Salt Lake. Yeah, there are 
many growing camps around, tents around. And so being able to just have more than a fishing vest would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to throw that out into the universe. I mean it. I want to work on that for this team. Uh, Before we go, so if someone's listening and they know of a veteran who's homeless and they see them routinely, what what number should they call to get in touch with you guys or or where should they go? Yeah, so... uh any veteran can present to the lobby of Building 16 uh, during regular business hours, Monday through Friday, kind of 8 to 4 p.m., 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., and ask to speak with the homeless provider of the day. Um, we can also direct them to uh, the Homeless Outreach Extension, which is 2746. Um, okay. So 801 582 1565, extension 2746, um, and speak to one of our uh, amazing outreach workers. Um, and, but really, there's a no wrong door approach uh, to, to getting in the door. If you speak with anybody in the homeless program or anybody throughout the hospital, just say, hey, I'm a homeless veteran. I know a homeless veteran. Um, most of the time, they get directed over to Building 16. Or even in the shelters that yeah. you work mm-hmm. with. Mention yep. it at any of the shelters. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a social worker there to, to figure out what's going on and figure out a plan for you. Mitch, Sam, Melissa, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank I you. didn't really realize everything that, that you've done and, and continue to do. So thank you for what you do. Thanks for thank having you. us. It's of course. And thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I am a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm, and this is very personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us or better yet, tell a vet and tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to kslpodcast.com slash veterans. VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.